Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host. Maddie Moon. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. Today I am talking about intuitive eating. So, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that intuitive eating, body image, food, all of those topics were the premise of this show for at least two and a half years. I interviewed people on intuitive eating, I interviewed people who had left the fitness industry to regain their health. I talked about it all the time. And last year, about mid-2016, I made the decision to kind of back out of the intuitive eating body image field because I had talked so much about it and I really wasn't feeling like my heart was in it anymore. So that's why for the past year... We've had a lot of conversations on this show, whether I'm interviewing someone or I'm just talking by myself around spirituality, abundance, mindset, fear, love, relationships, because those things really pique my interest. And a lot of time, those are the things that are the underlying causes why we have food issues and body image issues. When our relationships are spinning out of control, we try to gain control by our food, by our body, by our weight. Whenever we have a really big decision to make and we're terrified of making it and we're worried it's not going to be the right one, we turn to our food and our body all over again to feel like we have some sense of control or we're doing something right. So this cycle happens all of the time. And so one of the reasons why I'm so passionate about talking about the underlying things is because once you start to get a better grasp on this sense of control when you can and surrendering when you cannot control things, the body image and the food stuff becomes less apparent in your life. You may need to do two things at once, focusing on focusing on loving your body or at least accepting your body and filling your life with good things that have nothing to do with food or fitness. So when I went through my own personal recovery journey, I had to dive into the world of body positivity 
but I also had to dive into things that had nothing to do with it. I had to start reading fiction novels. I needed to start making friends that were not into body positive works and I didn't talk about that stuff all day long. We talked about movies. We talked about rock climbing. We talked about other things. And this was huge for my journey to be able to give myself a dose of both, a daily dose of body image encouragement body positive people I surround myself with, whether I'm recording an episode, I'm sharing an episode, I'm reading a book, I am on an Instagram that's encouraging a a positive body image, whatever it was, but also getting out of it and talking less about food and talking less about recovery and spending time with people who had no idea what that world is even like. And that was a beautiful balance for me. So With that said, I know many of you started to listen to this podcast because I was your body image resource. And over the last year, I have not been that resource for you, though I have all those episodes in the archives. So today I want to revisit the topic of intuitive eating because it's been like a year since I've talked about it. Also, because when I lived in Chiang Mai last year, I spent two months writing this book. I was playing around with the title. I originally decided on the weight of intuition. And um, I, when I made the switch out of the body image industry, so to say, on my podcast, I kind of put the book away. But recently I've been thinking this, this book, I poured a lot of my energy and heart and soul into creating this book. And I don't think it would be serving anyone by sitting on my laptop and never going anywhere. So today I'm actually going to be reading a chapter from the book to you about 10 tips for intuitive eating, for mastering your intuitive eating journey, or simply beginning your intuitive eating journey. These are my personal tips for intuitive eating. These are not tips coming from the book. Uh, Some of them will relate, but some of them will not be in the book, and there'll be things that I actually might say I don't agree with in the book. I still highly recommend that you get this book if you're struggling with leaving a meal plan breaking free from your fitness coaches, dieting tips. If you've been eating some kind of structured, rigid, contained way, and you now want to listen to your body, but you're so confused. What do you even like? What do you even like to eat? How do you eat? What is a snack? You're only used to eating every three hours, little tiny meals. What if you want to eat three times a day? Like if you're just confused, I highly recommend you start with reading intuitive eating. And then listen to this podcast because I'm going to be giving you my own tips. And I am really focused now on for the probably for the next month. I'm going to reread this book, edit it, add things because I've changed so much over the years. So add some stuff, add some chapters, and then I'm just going to put it up on my site. I'm not going to do a big ginormous launch probably. I don't know. Knowing me, I might I might go full force. I like doing that. But the plan right now is to simply get it on my site so y'all can get it. So I will keep you in the loop on that. You will be notified of whenever this launches through my email list. So make sure you're on my newsletter. And I will probably also mention it on a podcast and on my Instagram and all the different channels. So just keep your eyes out for my next book, which will be around intuitive eating, intuitive moving, living, all of those wonderful things. And I'm super excited about it. I think it's going to be super helpful. And I'm glad that recently I felt this urge to revisit this because I think it would be a shame to not publish something that I spent so much time working on hours, like Like probably three months of my life was dedicated to this book. So it needs to be out there in your hands. Before we head on over, two quick announcements. First is a warm, loving welcome to the show sponsor for Sigmatic. 
one of my favorite companies in the world. Seriously, I love Four Sigmatic with all of my heart. They make mushroom mixes. I have talked about them in the podcast before, so they are now the show sponsor again, and I'm so happy about it. Um, So one of my favorite products that they make is the hot cacao mix. And if you're going to start out with something, I highly recommend you start out with a hot cacao mushroom mix. Tastes like hot chocolate. It's stupid delicious, but it's the perfect pick me up in the day. I'm drinking it right now. I also love their Viking mix at my forever, um, forever free. No, that was like a year ago. At my confidence revival retreat, I gave out all of the girls a big bag of the Viking mix and they loved it. It is so good. I often get asked, hey, Maddie, does it taste like mushrooms? No, it doesn't. It has more of like a roasted coffee taste, possibly even a tea taste. But to me, it tastes more like coffee, which is why so many people, if they're transitioning out of coffee or they just want to drink less, move over to drinking Four Sigmatic. And Four Sigmatic is everywhere. It's so popular. What I really highly recommend you do is go to the website, Four Sigmatic. I will have a link to this on the show notes and enter the code Maddie because you get 10% off. Just M-A-D-D-Y, 10% off. Um, Don't go to the store and get it because you'll have to pay full price. Go to the website. You can get 10% off. Have it shipped your way. And like I said, hot cacao mix, oh my God, so good. And then also I would say the Viking mix. They're all amazing though, but those are the two I would say to start with. Next up, Mexico City. I am so excited to be leading this this incredible journey, co-leading this journey to Mexico City to refurbish a primary school, go into the jungle, do chakra therapy, healing, meditation, all of the fun things you want into one trip that is happening and I'm co-leading it. So if you're interested in coming to Mexico City with me, go to the link in the show notes for this episode and you can check out all of the insight and information about this incredible journey we're going to be taking August 3rd to the 8th. If you've been wanting to leave the country, do something fun, maybe even give back, this is going to be an amazing time to do it, especially because one of the reasons why so many people do not do something like this is because of the logistics and it's a hassle and it's kind of scary with journey. And if you want to learn more about journey, listen to the episode I did with Taylor Conroy with them. Everything is taken care of for you. Seriously, it is easy. So once you put down your deposit, you are taken care of from the minute your plane arrives in Mexico City to the minute you are dropped off. Everything is taken care of for you from transportation to food to lodging. Easy peasy, but an experience you will never forget for your entire life. When I went to Thailand for the first time, it changed the course of my whole life. Because when I came home from Thailand, I then ended up breaking up with my boyfriend, moving out, and then booking a one-way back to Asia. And then from Asia, I wrote this book that's soon going to launch. And then I changed my business direction. It just it freed my soul, too. I had no idea how much I loved travel. So if you want to come, but you have all these fears about, well, money and timing, and is it worth it? reach out to me. Seriously, I would love to help you make the decision that's best for you, only best for you, and even set you up with a phone call with Taylor Conroy, the founder of Journey, if you want to learn more and ask him specific questions. The review of the week comes from Caitlin517. 
amazing person, amazing podcast with five stars. Maddie has an absolutely wonderful podcast that has helped me in so many ways. I don't know how I stumbled upon her, but I'm so grateful I did. I now subscribe to her podcast and follow her on Facebook and Instagram, seeing her daily posts and listening to her podcast every week which has honestly changed my entire outlook on life, given me so much more confidence and has taught me the importance of self-love and acceptance. I have a similar past as Maddie's and I have struggled with eating disorders, exercise addiction, health obsession, and body dysmorphia. I was on the healing path when I discovered Maddie, but I don't think I'd be anywhere near where I am if, I was, if it wasn't for her and the wonderfully inspirational people she has exposed me and the rest of her followers to. Maddie, thank you for being an incredibly inspirational force in my life and for helping me become a happier and healthier individual. From struggle comes strength, and I am so grateful that you bravely share your journey and wisdom with myself and others. It does not go unappreciated. Thank you a billion times over, Caitlin. Caitlin, that was one of the sweetest reviews I have ever received. Seriously, those words, they keep me coming back to this podcast, and they keep me being selective about who I bring onto the show because I know it's important to expose y'all to people who are going to encourage you and lift you up and not throw you back into those disordered ways. So I am so grateful you took the time to write this review for me because I know it, it, you had to sit down you had to go over to iTunes and click write a review and put five stars and like actually write it. And it's an easy thing, but to write something so thoughtful and to actually go and make it happen. I know that takes reminding yourself and actually going to your computer to doing it. So even something like that, I really, really greatly appreciate. And you also made my day. Thank you, Caitlin. All right. So I think it's time that we start talking about my 10 tips for, quote, mastering or simply continuing your intuitive eating journey. What I'm going to do, excuse me, what I'm going to do is read this to you. I'm going to read this chapter to you. So I'm going to settle in. I'm going to take a sip right now of my hot cacao. Mm. Oh, it's cold now. Okay, still good. And yeah, I'm just going to take my time reading this to y'all. And if you have any questions about intuitive eating, please feel free to ask. Let me know. Send me an email. Go to my contact page on my site. What I do behind the scenes when I'm coaching people one-on-one, it's still a lot of food and body image work. Someone asked me recently if I know what a body image coach is, and that's what I've been doing for the past four years of my life is body image coaching. I do much more than that. I do transformational life coaching, so I talk a lot about relationships, limiting beliefs, fear, rejection, playing bigger in life, and just being healthier, happier, but I still do a lot of body image work. So if this resonates with you and you want personal help and attention with intuitive eating, I do do one-on-one coaching with this. All right, here we go. My 10 ways to start mastering your intuitive eating, or otherwise known as my personal guide to intuitive eating. You've read it before. You've heard people talk about its magical powers. You've maybe even tried it for yourself a few times. We're talking about intuitive eating, the nutrition philosophy where one learns to make food choices based on their body's natural signals. I'll tell you up front, that what I'm going to share about intuitive eating will come from my own personal experiences and how I perceive it. I highly recommend that you get a copy of the book, Intuitive Eating, a revolutionary program that works by Evelyn Tribble and Elise Risch so that you can, Risch, Risch, so that you can better understand the ins and outs of the program. 
In this chapter, I'm going to write about the intuitive eating and what it means to me. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be aligned with everything that the book shares or mention all of the different principles of intuitive eating because there's already a book for that. It's called Intuitive Eating. Instead, I'm going to give you some practical tips for starting an intuitive eating journey and teach you how to continue it once you feel you've gained a good understanding. January 22nd, 2014. Mom, I seriously just ate like five meals in one, I said to my mom over the phone. I was sitting at a high top at Whole Foods talking to my mom over the phone with tears streaming down my face. No joke. It had been one month since I had moved to Boulder, Colorado, completely alone and without any family or friends. I moved because I knew that where I was living in Texas was actually poisonous to me and I needed a change in environment and a fresh start. Of course, not everyone needs to completely pick up and move in order to heal the relationship with their body, but it was certainly a part of the process for me. I'm at Whole Foods, and I wanted to try intuitive eating, but I'm such a failure, Mom. I tried to pick foods at the hot bar. I loaded up my plate with so much food thinking I would save, I don't know, at least half of it for dinner, and I ended up eating the whole thing, the whole plate, and I'm so full. I ate rice, curry, this beef and pea mixture thing, a salad, falafel, stuffed grape leaves, chickpeas, and all this stuff. And it's only lunch. I feel so full and I just want to take it all back. I rambled on to my mom. I was crying hysterically in the middle of Whole Foods, oblivious to the hungry shoppers surrounding me. Intuitive eating was proving to be a massive challenge. I was holding on to so many food rules, including what was on the approved foods list, how much I was supposed to eat at any given meal, and what I was allowed to eat based on my activity levels for the day. It was Sunday, so I expected I wouldn't be working out that day, which is what made me feel even more guilty for eating so much at lunch. I'm around all these grown men, and they're just eating these small salads, and their girlfriends are eating like a single roll of sushi, and I'm so embarrassed. How in the world did I eat 10 times more than all these grown men? I asked my mom. Madeline, you have no idea what these people ate for breakfast. They could have just eaten breakfast like an hour ago, and it could have been a massive plate of pancakes, bacon, sausage, French toast, whatever else. They're eating a small meal right now, but it could be like their third or fourth meal of the day, she responded. I let this soak in. It's true. I was letting an uneducated comparison ruin this perfectly decent and beautiful meal. I had no information about these people sitting around me, so I wasn't sure why I was obsessively comparing the meal I just ate to the meal that they're eating. Yeah, I guess you're right, but that still doesn't change the fact that I probably just ate like a thousand calories for for lunch, I retorted, still finding another reason to beat myself up. You may have. You may have not. You may have only eaten 600 calories or 700 calories, but does it really matter? Your body is going to figure out a way to digest those calories and no single meal will make these big changes in your body overnight, she said. Yeah, I won't, but what if I keep eating this way forever? What if I want to eat a massive amount for lunch tomorrow and the next day? I ate out at a restaurant today and normally I would only allow myself to go out like once a week. What if tomorrow I want to go out again and then the next day and, and then both and both times I eat more than I'm used to? Gosh, I just I feel so out of control with my rules. Without sticking to my rules, stuff like this happens, and it will probably just keep happening. 
I said, more tears streaming down my face, now holding my hand over my mouth, trying to stifle crying snorts. Did you already forget how miserable you were with those rules? Even when you were competing in those fitness shows, Maddie, you were absolutely miserable and you hated your body. You're making so much progress. Choose to stop dwelling on this meal and give yourself permission to move on. Eat what you feel like tonight too. Don't eat less or don't eat boring food just because you want to compensate for lunch, she said. That conversation is one that I've had to replay in my head so many times, always trying to remind myself that no single meal matters nearly as much as we think it does. Food is just food. It's not life, not our identity. On top of that, if you're stuck in a comparison trap, it makes intuitive eating a lot harder because you're constantly trying to intuitively eat within boundaries. You're trying to listen to your body's natural signals, but not too much, or you may eat more than the person next to you. Even yesterday, I was sitting at a table with two grown men eating a huge plate of Vietnamese food. I'm working on this book in Asia. And both of the men ate half of their meal while I, w- while I ate the entire thing. In that moment, I could have chosen to dwell on the fact that I ate twice as much as two men did. But instead, I realized I was simply honoring my own hunger. I hadn't eaten in in quite a few hours, like eight hours, and I was pretty famished by the time our food came. So I craved all of that energy on the plate. I looked at my plate and then theirs and then thought, huh, must have been hungry. And then I was done. And then, as suspected, the two men ate twice as much as I did for their dinner. We can't expect for everyone to have the same hunger and fullness levels at one single point in time. And if we continue to try to synchronize our hunger, then we will never truly intuitively eat. That would be called synchronized eating. And that's no better than being on a diet. I want you to take away two two tidbits from my whole food story. First, do not compare your intuitive eating journey to others. If you're scrolling through Instagram, looking up the hashtag intuitive eating to see how everyone else is doing it, I implore you to stop. The more you get away from technology during this process, the better. I secondly want you to know that intuitive eating isn't a flawless process. This whole food story isn't the only example of me crying hysterically calling my mom to talk about my food struggles. I guarantee there are at least 100 other examples from where that came from. Even today, I have to remind myself from time to time why I eat and live the way I do because I can easily get caught up in that comparison trap if I let myself. With that said, here's my personal guide to intuitive eating. Number one, neutralize all food. This is arguably the most important thing you can begin to practice when adopting intuitive eating. When you begin to neutralize your food, you no longer see food as good or bad. A meal of chicken and broccoli is no better than a plate of spaghetti with meatballs and extra sauce. All food is equal, no matter what it is. Neutralizing food will help you to decide what you really want because you don't consider the goodness and badness of a food when deciding to eat it. Think about this for a second, too. And I'm just, like, adding this in. I'm not reading this part right now. I know some people who were once told that Smoothies are the healthiest things to eat, or salads are, or yogurt is. Pick your poison. And then I, being a bodybuilder, was learned that I couldn't really eat salads because it had tons of different ingredients, and that takes too long to count all the calories, and, you know, dressings have this and this and this. 
Um, yogurt has blah, 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 sugar, this, that. Um, smoothies are made up of lots of fruit, blah, 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 can't eat that. So I was raised in the bodybuilding world to think that only greens were healthy and lean meats. So even then, when you can think about that to one person's healthiest of healthy is another person's no-no, of course these rules become ridiculous because there is no truth. It's only subjective, what you were told, what you learned. So here you are walking around with this good list of foods, this bad list of foods, where it could be the total opposite for another person right? Just depends on what you were told, what you learned. And so you can unlearn those things by even simply realizing that they're stupid and made up to begin with. One person out there, one scientist out there was like, you don't need to count calories because it only matters the nutrient density. Whereas another person's like, oh, it only matters calories in, calories out. You can eat whatever the heck you want as long as you monitor that. It's all made up. There's science to support everything. So why not just eat what you want, eat how you feel like eating, and let your body figure it out? And forget all the rules that different scientists or doctors or nutrition gurus say this is the key because literally everything is the key. Everything works. But what works for your body? Okay, back to the post. Two, separate morality from food choices. As you begin to forget the good food, bad food perception, I also want you to disengage from thinking you're good if you eat a particular way and you're bad if you don't. For example, I used to think I was good if I ate clean every day, and I was bad if I didn't. This is the sole reason why I experienced so much guilt during my recovery process. For years, I believed my integrity, character, and morality as a human being were rooted in my food choices, which is why I clung to rules with my life. I wanted to feel like a good person. I wanted to be good. Let's get one thing straight. You're not a good person because you eat clean. You're not a bad person because you don't. Our society is setting up to think that our character relies on our dietary habits because of all the recent media focus on food morality. We worship certain celebrities for their bodies and disciplined nutrition plans instead of their actual character. Fitness bloggers are praised for their willpower, tight glutes, and meal plans instead of how they serve the world if they're even doing so. My question is, how did we end up here? What good is this connection between food and morality doing us? Nothing. All it does is lead us to feel so guilty. We buy more diet programs, fitness DVDs, and health books so we can feel as good as the latest and greatest clean-eating, paleo, vegan celebrities. You're not a good person if you look and eat in a certain way. And you're not a bad person if you don't, period. I actually want to say that I became a better person when I started eating not, quote, better foods. The more I started breaking out of my meal plan and the more freedom I gave myself, the more I started to actually serve the world, help the world, be present in conversations, take time to do the little things in my day that made me happy and feel good. And then I carried that happiness on throughout my day and then helped do something for someone else simply because I was in a good mood. That happiness, it's like a snowball effect. When I finally broke free from my meal plans and this rigidity of good food, good person, and those beliefs, and I started eating whatever the heck I wanted, I gained happiness because I started to become present in my day, present with what I was doing in the world because I now had time and room in my mind to think about other things. And then once I cultivated that happiness within my day-to-day life, I started to spread it. And I started to bring joy to other people. Number three, let go of intentions or expectations. Do you wake up in the morning assuming you're going to stick to your six meal a day perfect plan? 
your vegan diet, or your no more than 30 grams of carbs in a single meal guideline. Every night before you go to bed, do you pre-plan to have a strict meal of egg whites and oats for breakfast? Do you intend to eat a light lunch so you can have a big dinner? Do you plan to work out extra hard to make up for last night's birthday celebration of cake and wine? These expectations are what set you up in the worst way possible. First of all, if you do them, you do them out of obligation and fear instead of love. Secondly, if you don't do them, you feel guilty, like a failure. I had this kick in wine only because I thought I was going to work out extra hard, and then you don't work out the next day because life. And then you feel bad. You feel guilty because you, you didn't do the rule or the expectation you set for yourself out of fear. Instead of expecting to compensate for food by doing a workout or eating extra light, let go of these assumptions and intentions. Turn off the part of your brain that believes you have to compensate for calories. Or let go of the part of your brain that's prone to doing calorie math after a day of eating. One of the most important tidbits I can provide you with is that this mental energy, thinking about how you're going to compensate for what you ate, is poorly spent Your time and energy is precious. Using it to obsess over calorie math, workout compensation, and meal planning in advance takes you further away from learning intuitive eating. What's intuitive about pre-planning? Nothing. You may be accustomed to having constant chatter in your mind about what's allowed to be eaten at certain times of the day, aka carbs during the day, carbs during breakfast, and then fat at night, blah, blah, or vice versa. But from this moment forward, I want you to catch yourself when you do this. I invite you, I challenge you to catch yourself. Early in the morning when you reach for your carton of eggs, oatmeal, smoothie, whatever breakfast you think you have to have, pause and ask yourself if that's really what you want and be honest. If you don't really want it, don't eat it. Allow yourself to eat what you actually desire and make a mental note to start breaking through the food rules you're holding on to. Number four. Ask yourself, what sounds good? The principle of asking yourself what you want to eat is crucial to intuitive eating. If you don't ask yourself this question, you're relying on external factors to show you what to eat, such as what you've been told to eat is healthy, what you've been told you should eat, what it says in the magazine that you should eat for breakfast, or once, what, whatever you once read was most optimal to have at certain times of the day. None of these options include intuition. Intuition is based on a feeling, a desire, a sensation, a gut instinct. Your body knows way more than you think it does, and in order to learn from it, you must ask. Next time you're hungry, ask yourself, what do I want? If you're craving pizza, go for it. If you're craving a burger, dive in. If you want a salad, eat up. All food is neutral, so there's no judgment in what you choose to eat or not eat. The simple act of asking yourself what you want shows a great deal of respect for your intuition. When you acknowledge your intuition, you're recognizing it and giving it permission to speak up, so to say. After years of ignoring your intuition, you may need to physically ask the question out loud in order to feel connected and to slow down as you wait for your response. Normally, the answer is not straightforward. It may even be frustrating. It's possible you won't feel or hear a response at all. But simply acknowledging your innate ability to intuitively eat is a huge step. Instead of just jumping right to eating whatever you thought was logical, ask. Ask first. 
I recommend you do this as often as you can. Number five, ask yourself, how do I want to feel after this meal? This is the second question I ask after asking what sounds good to eat. Please note, and this is very important to remember, this question is not for everybody. Depending on what stage you're at, you may not be ready to choose what to eat based off of what sounds good and how you want to feel after the meal. You may need to completely throw out everything except for what sounds good. I did that for a while. I didn't think about anything except what do I want? What do I want? But if you've been doing this for a while and you feel like you're at this stage, take note. When I'm deciding what I want to eat, I also take into consideration how I want to feel. Generally, this is what leads me to choose a good combination of nutritious foods, if I'm in the mood for it, and maybe not so nutritious foods, but yet super delicious. I like feeling good. It's true. I like having energy, mental clarity, focus, balanced hormones, and solid sleep. When any one of these things are off, I don't quite feel like myself. So though I do not look at foods and judge them as good as bad, I do look at them and ask how they will make me feel. For example, I don't feel so good when I eat stone fruits. Apples, peaches, pears, cherries, plums. I love them. They're so tasty. But they give me terrible stomach aches. And therefore, I choose to eat other things. I don't avoid them out of fear. I don't avoid them because I'm scared what they're going to do to my aesthetics. Ah, sugar, fruit. I avoid them because I love my body and I don't want my stomach to hurt. Especially if I have things to do. Podcasts to record. Coaching to do. I don't want my stomach to be distracting me, so I just don't eat those things. There are other foods that might make me feel lethargic, sleepy, bloated, whatever. And there are also certain amounts of particular foods that give me similar reactions as the one I just listed. Just amounts. I, can, I know I can eat a little bit, but maybe not eat a whole lot. And after listening to my body so intently for the past two years, I have two years. Okay, so when I wrote this, it was two years. Now it's like three years. I have a good grasp on what foods lead me to what sensations and what feelings. When I am approaching mealtime, I keep in mind how I want to feel. Sometimes I don't really mind if I end up feeling sleepy or lethargic. Other times I need to keep my energy and focus up. It just depends on the day. Don't ask yourself, what is this going to do to me? But instead ask, what is this going to do for me? Six, accept imperfection. I can't tell you how many times I've sat on the phone listening to a client talk about how they failed at intuitive eating because they overate. One of the principles of intuitive eating is to listen to your body's natural hunger and fullness cues. This is actually the part of intuitive eating that I never really emphasized to my clients. In fact, I threw this rule out the window entirely when I began my own intuitive eating journey and I recommend my clients do as well. It's hard enough for, for normal eaters, quote, to know exactly when they are full. So how does someone who is entirely disconnected from their intuition do that? For many people, it's impossible, and they have to learn from trial and error to find that place again, to find out what, even, what fullness even feels like. It takes getting too full to know where full enough is, and you may need to get too full a lot in order to really know where that place is for you. Do not pressure yourself to find this perfect place of fullness, or intuitive eating will just become another diet with a whole bunch of rules. The beautiful part about intuitive eating is that it should be rule-less. There are no boundaries. You can do what you want and make it your own. If you eat past the point of fullness, then oh well. Take note of how you're feeling and maybe think about what place in the meal would have been more comfortable to stop at. 
Gain what you can from each eating experience, but don't dwell on it. Let it go after you've learned all that you can and move on to the next activity of your day. Any more energy spent on thinking about it is a waste. Seven, yes, eat when you're not hungry. Another part of intuitive eating is to only eat when you're hungry. This is another guideline I don't really follow or necessarily recommend. Let's say if you're, it's your friend's birthday. There's cake, ice cream, some fruity cocktails, tons of tasty appetizers. You want to dive in, but you just ate dinner before and you're not really hungry. What do you do? It's super simple. If you want to dive on in, give yourself complete, absolute permission to do so. You do not need to eat only when you are hungry. All I recommend is to stay mindful. Be mindful and present as you eat the food, absorbing every flavor, sensation, and bite. Make the absolute most of the experience. There are many reasons why one might eat even if they aren't hungry. Because life happens. We have holidays, anniversaries, birthdays, and get-togethers with our friends. Chances are you're going to be approached with many situations in your lifetime that involve food you want to eat when you're not hungry. Go ahead and eat the food you want. Just stay mindful and enjoy every bite. When you're done with eating, simply put down the plate, put down the fork, and move on with your day. Don't let food be a big deal. It's just another part of life, no different than working, breathing, sleeping, and playing. Eight, get out of your comfort zone. Intuitive eating isn't really possible if you don't do the, quote, work. There are times your body is going to ask for a fear food, something you've been avoiding for as long as possible. And if you're going to have to eat the food in order to honor your body, then I say do so. Another bonus is that once you eat the food, this out-of-your-comfort-zone food, it will lose a little bit of power over you. In fact, every time you eat a fear food, it will lose power over you until it just becomes like any other food. The example of the time I ate in Whole Foods is a great example of me getting out of my comfort zone and doing the work. Sure, it scared me. And afterwards, I had to work through some emotions with my mom over the phone. But the fact that I actually did it is huge. And as suspected, the next time I went to Whole Foods and piled on a random assortment of food on my plate, it wasn't quite as scary. And I wasn't quite as nervous because I had already done it and I had lived. Get out of your comfort zone. I recommend you writing down a list of all your fear foods and making a point to eat one per week with a partner, friend, or family member. This part may not be super intuitive since you've written a list down. But you may need to make an effort to try more things in order to break through some beliefs you have about certain foods. You might not ever intuitively crave pizza because you've been avoiding it for so long. But if you try it once, you'll have an easier time noticing the next time you crave it since you've made strides to break that false belief. Nine, partner up with intuitive movement. We will explore this one in the future, aka in the book that I wrote. But for now, just know that you cannot fully embody intuition without embodying it in all parts of your life. One of those parts is movement, or what you may call exercise. As you begin to eat what sounds good, you want to begin to move your body in a way that sounds good too. If you hate the gym, y'all, it's probably not your spot. If you hate running, it's probably not going to get any better. Your time is valuable and should be spent well. Intuitive eating is all about honoring your body's innate needs, and movement is a huge part of that. Move your body in a way that's pleasurable, and it won't seem so crazy when you do the same with food. I don't go to the gym anymore. I don't lift weights in a little gym or do anything that's not fun to me anymore. My spots, the fun things to me, those are the things I do. I absolutely adore acro yoga. It's like my favorite thing in the world. It's blessed me and made me 
it's just given me something that I never thought I could have. I never thought, I never thought I could love some sort of movement as much as I could with acro yoga and it's become one of my favorite parts of living. It's just so amazing. So find something that makes you happy, even if it's not considered a big workout where you're not going into the gym and actually changing your body. It's movement. That's the key. Intuitive movement, not exercise, not working out, moving your body, even if it's just a walk. 10. Don't become attached. There's the huge pressure to find out what works for you and to eat in that particular way forever. People want to adopt veganism and stay vegan until they die, and some will fight to do that even if they are craving meat every day. Others are known by friends for being paleo, and even if they are beginning to feel lethargic from eating more meat than they need, they will ignore their body's cravings for grains because they are, quote, bad. You don't need me to tell you this, but it's not a healthy way to live. So I'll skip over that part and get to my point. While doing intuitive eating, you may find yourself in a groove. Maybe you begin to find foods you really enjoy eating, and they just so happen to be teetering on the edge of plants, vegetarianism, high carb, or maybe it's high fat, high meat, whatever. That's great that you found something that's working for you. Even still, don't become attached to that way of eating, ever. Don't put a label on it. Intuitive eating is intuitive eating. Even if it leads you to eat a certain way that might look like a particular type of diet for a while, don't say that's the way you eat. Just say intuitive eating. Don't put those boundaries and labels and limitations on you when you've been working so hard to let them go. My eating habits jump around often depending on factors like my activity level, the season, my hormones, my emotions, whatever sounds good in the moment. Lately, I've been eating some particular meals all the time, but I know that maybe in a couple months I'll be eating total polar opposite types of meals. I will never identify with another diet label again, but that doesn't mean in my mind I won't. I have to consciously make the effort to remind myself mentally that sure, I may be eating intuitively more fruit these days, but that doesn't mean I have to be a fruit eater every day, a fruititarian. Sure, I may be enjoying eating a post-dinner snack of yogurt and cereal, but that doesn't mean it has to be a nightly ritual where I always eat a post-dinner snack of yogurt and cereal. Some seasons I am meat heavy and others I am veggie heavy. Sometimes I don't really want oatmeal and other times it's all I want. I literally just had it and I haven't had it in months. My point is to never become attached to a way of eating. Even if it's a way of eating that works for you, it may not work for you forever. And that's the beauty of intuitive eating, my friends. It's never constant because our intuition is always changing. This guide to intuitive eating should not be something you live and breathe by. Why? Because your intuition knows more than I do. And any intuitive eating guru that tells you otherwise isn't really an expert on intuition. You may not feel the same way about some of the principles as I do, and that's okay. I hope that at least in the beginning of your journey, you resonate with most, if not all, of these principles as you begin to figure out intuitive eating for yourself. On top of reading intuitive eating, I recommend you check out their 10 principles of intuitive eating so you can have more of a rounded understanding of this practice. Though some of my personal principles are completely different than the ones in the book, I truly believe in different strokes for different folks. You decide for yourself. And that's the chapter I have for 10 tips for mastering intuitive eating. And mastering isn't really like, I don't literally mean you're going to be mastering intuitive eating because that's not really a thing. But learning how to get into the groove of the current of intuitive eating and going along with it. Learning how to listen to your body. And a lot of times you'll see in like posts, people who write about intuitive eating, they'll write something like, you'll find out what works for you. 
you'll find it. Okay, even that though, I kind of ignore. Like forget the whole idea of finding something that works for you. Just eat, just eat different foods and don't have the pressure on yourself to find what works for you because that might always change. And also another point that I'd like to, to, to just leave this on is to comment that for the first couple years, probably not couple years, for the first year at least of my intuitive eating journey, I'd, I was bloated like all the time. And I get messages from people all the time saying, help me, I'm bloated. I'm intuitive eating. I don't know what to do. The I know this isn't going to be the your favorite answer for me to give you, but my answer for you is to not stress about it. And I know that's not a wonderful fix, but just don't stress about it. That's the, the best thing you can do is continue to eat the way you're eating. Allow your body to adjust to eating to these new foods. Don't rule out a food because it makes you bloated because right now probably everything will make you bloated because your body is eating new foods in different orders and different quantities. So allow yourself to let your body figure it out on its own. And if you're bloated for a while, fine. Wear some leggings get some yoga leggings take yourself shopping to get some comfortable pants stop wearing things that make you feel constricted get dresses wear things that make you feel good and relax and rest into the bloat and I know it sounds weird but honestly like that's the best thing I could tell you is to accept it allow it and see it as an act of love from your body it's trying to figure out something for you and your mind wants to solve it what can I do let me think my way out of this but you can't Accept it and allow your body to figure out what it needs to do to get used to this new way of eating and living. And that will allow the greatest freedom for you. I hope you enjoyed this episode on intuitive eating. We have a wonderful episode planned for next week with Christian Sinclair. I recommend you go ahead and check her out online, Christian Sinclair. She's amazing. And don't forget to go to Four Sigmatic and get your 10% off mushroom mix by using the code Maddie. They're wonderful. Let me know if you have any questions on intuitive eating, and I'll see you guys soon. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.